Good morning, Digital Cathedral family. Once again, it's good to have you with me today on this Sunday morning. Hope everything is going well in your world. Everything is uh, running downhill and copacetic in mine, so I have absolutely no complaints, and I'm glad to be here this morning with you once again to share with you some some truths from Scripture and some things that I want to get into this morning that may stretch you a whole lot. This is going to be a teaching. If I were to put a title on this, which I have titled it, I would title it Living in Contradictions. Living in Contradictions. Now, some of you are going to get this this morning, and some of you are going to hear a lot of things that I'm not saying that's going to maybe cause a little bit of confusion in your life. So this is probably one of those teachings <clears throat> that I would encourage you to come back and listen to two or three times because I'm going, to, I'm going to bring some things out that may help to explain to you what is going on when you live in uh, a circumstance or a situation that you don't feel is God's absolute best for your life. That you have discerned, that you have figured out that this is not, this is not what you bought into. And so you would like to know what is going on. So I'm going to talk to you this morning about living in contradictions. I want to start over in Colossians chapter 1. Let me just put just a little foundation down before I, before I get into actually what I want to get into. So I want you to listen real careful this morning. Don't, don't make me say something I'm not saying. Uh, because if you'll catch this, it's going to bring a lot of freedom to your life. This is, this is grace you know, 2.0. This is this is carrying it beyond some fundamentals. I'm going a little deep this morning, and I think that at the Digital Cathedral you're ready to hear that. If you're new to the Digital Cathedral, again, I, I don't want to bring any uh, cloud or confusion to you, and I don't want you to hear. I don't want you to pull back on some religious teaching and think that I'm saying something I'm not. Let me just say, God's good. He's good all the time, and I'm going to show you how good He is and how good He's becoming in your life. Colossians chapter 1. Now before I get there, I want to make sure I'm in the right place. <laughs> I want to make sure that all of you that are at the Digital Cathedral this morning are well aware of the fact that you're living in the kingdom now today. You are presently living in the kingdom. You're, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. You're of another kingdom. You're learning to live out kingdom truth in your life. You're learning to manifest as a son. You're learning the power of unconditional love. You have seen um, how expansive our God is through the finished work of the cross, that he includes all in the finished work of Jesus. So in the kingdom, let me just remind you this morning, let me just put about five minutes of foundation down. Because when I launch off into what I want to get into, you're going to have to pull on this foundation and, and understand what I'm saying. In the kingdom, we understand there's only one power. There's not two powers. There's one power. There's one omnipotent force in the universe and it's God the Father, right? There's one life, there's one Father, there's one plan, there's one will. There is no dualism in the kingdom. No dualism in the kingdom. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the dualistic tree. It's always the tree of two. It's the tree of choice. It's the tree of determining whether you think something is good, bad, good, evil, left, right, up, down. It's the tree of choice. It's the tree of reason. We reason out and therefore we make a decision. The tree of life is a, is a tree of response. We hear what the Father says. We don't determine whether it's right, wrong, good, or evil. We hear what He says and then we respond in obedience to what He says to us. 
In the, the tree of life, there's only one. There's only life in the tree of life. When you respond to the tree of life, it is only going to produce one thing, and that is life. That is life. Now set aside your discernment of good and evil and right and wrong for just a few minutes this morning. I want you to hear what I have to say because we're going to eat from the tree of life this morning. Can we all agree? When we look back, uh, when we look back in scripture, can we all agree that it was the, the tree of dualism? It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, not just knowledge of evil, the knowledge of good, what Adam thought would be good that got him into trouble. And it's that same tree that causes us a lot of dilemma, a lot of heartache today. It gets us into a lot of circumstances when we, when we begin to judge right from wrong, good from evil, rather than simply responding to the voice of the Father. It still gets us into a heap of trouble. The natural man assigns based on his knowledge, based on perception, based on data, the five senses feed to him. The natural man makes a decision or a choice that seems right, it seems logical to him. That's not the way that those of us in the kingdom respond. Those of us in the kingdom of, of, of God, those of us that live in the kingdom on a daily basis, we go within, we hear what the Father says, and then we respond to it. We totally agree to it. Um, let, me, let me, just before I get there, let me just quote you a verse. I'm going to go to Colossians 1 in verse 16, 17 in just a minute. But let me quote to you a verse that's one of my favorites. It's Romans 11, 11th chapter, verse 36. And it just demonstrates the oneness. It says that everything comes from God, passes through God, and returns back to God. That's everything. So there's only one force. There's only, there's only one ultimate uh, sender and receiver, and it's the Father. All right. Now let me read Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, because it really reiterates that. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, they were created by him. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities and powers, all things were created by him. Now, this is really important. I want you to catch this. They were not only created by him, they were created for him. And in him, and in him is before all things that were created are held together. Let me read that 17th verse again. And he is before all things, right? Everything came from him. He is before all things. And all things hold together in him. He is before all things. And in him, everything holds together. Do you hear the oneness in those two verses? Let me read those two verses again. And I want you to hear the one. There's no duality here. There's no two forces, no two creators, no two powers. There's one. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and earth, whether thrones, principalities, dominions, whatever it is. All things were created by him and they were created for him. Only one. And he is before all things. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. All right? So we're establishing some oneness this morning. Now, I want to back up. That was, that was I just read to you from Romans chapter 11, verse 36. It says, for everything comes from God, passes through God, returns to God. That's Romans 11, 36. Let me back up. And I'm going to start to get it. That's a little foundation. I just want to set fresh in your mind this morning that there's only one. We live in a kingdom that there's one. We've, we've, we've been uh, delivered from the power of darkness 
and we've been translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. And in that kingdom in which we live today, the kingdom of God, there's one, one force, one power, one will, one mind. Are you, are you tracking with me? All right, now keep that in mind. I read from Romans chapter 11, verse 36, and there is a verse of scripture in Romans chapter eight that we all know, that we all know. And I'm gonna to start to get into some things. We can all quote it, it sounds good, makes us feel good, makes us on some levels, I think at times feel rather spiritual. Uh, we love the verse. When we get the job, when we get the promotion, when everything is going well, the kids make the honor roll, we feel strong, we get a good report from the doctor, we're in great health, life is spinning and ginning and moving in the, what we think is the right direction. We love this verse. But you say, you know, by golly, that verse in Romans chapter eight and verse 28 says this. It says, all things work together for good to those that love God and to those that are called according to his purpose. So again, when everything's, when everything's spinning and ginning, the kids are on the honor roll, kids make the team, the cheerleaders, she makes the, you know, she's now, everything's good, honor roll, got the job, bought the new house, interest rates were low, everything's, life is great. That's a wonderful verse. Everything works together for good. But how about those times? when it doesn't seem like it's going so good. I call that living in contradictions because it's when things that you're going through, and listen, we all go through stuff, stuff happens. How about when what you're going through is contrary to what you think the will of God is? Things are not going according to how you planned it. You mapped it out. Things appear exactly opposite of what you had dreamed. You thought you heard a word from God, but everything going on around you now is contrary to that. Are those things included in that Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where it says all things work together for good to those that love God? Do those things work together for our good? Let me say something right here before I go any further. I don't want you to hear in the teaching this morning that I am saying that God creates evil or that God causes evil or that God makes evil happen in our life. No, 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 no. Most of the things that happen to us that are contrary or are contradictions are either of our own making, decisions we made, we ate over to treat the knowledge of good and evil, made a choice we thought was good. You know, the, a, a new job came up, paid a uh, time and a half salary, what we're getting now, said move to Illinois, you have to move to Illinois to get the job. And you said, honey, you pack while I pray. You already made up your mind you're going, right? It seemed good. You get to Illinois, the job's not what you thought, or you get to Illinois and the company has a cutback and lays you off. Now you have no job. See, that's something you created yourself without going to the tree of life to get a response from the Father and then obeying Him. If you'd have gone to the tree of life, the Father would have seen. He may have said, no, you better stay right where you're at. So some of the, the contradictions that we face are of our own making. Other contradictions that come, come because of the choices of other people or just the fact that we live in this world where bad choices and decisions and greed and lust and a whole nine yards are prevalent at this point until the kingdom has enough traction that it reaches a tipping point until the whole lump is leavened and things are, are on a different level, on a different scale, and heaven invades earth entirely. Until that time, we're gonna face contradictions. But I don't want you to, to hear in the teaching this morning that I'm saying that God sends 
evil to you. And I'm going to get into some very heavy stuff this morning. So I want you to pay very close attention. Romans 8.28 says, All things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are called according to His purpose. We love the verse when it's all going well. When things are, are going south on us, then we begin to question the verse. Is this really God's plan? Is this God's will? Is this God's best? Is this what God's intended for me? Do those, do those contradictions fit into that verse? That's what I'm trying to get across to you at the beginning this morning. Do those things fit into that verse? I want to look back at the life of Paul. Paul wrote Romans chapter 8, verse 28, All things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are called according to His purpose. Let's put ourselves in Paul's shoes. Paul's busy writing letters to church, establishing churches. He's writing letters that eventually, Paul didn't know it, obviously. He's writing letters to churches, giving advice, and eventually those letters will become two-thirds of the New Testament. Two-thirds of the New Testament. He writes Romans chapter 8, verse 28, All things work together for good to those that love God. Paul's writing letters, preaching the gospel, establishing churches. And all of a sudden, now 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 to about verse 28 hit. Let me read those because this is the guy that wrote Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. <clears throat> now watch what Paul writes over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 and see if you can relate to this because all of a sudden things aren't going well for Paul. It looks like there's a lot of contradictions that are going on. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28. I'm sorry, verse 23, he says this. He says, are they not ministers of Christ? I speak as, as a fool, I'm more. He said, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That should have killed Paul. Those were professional executioners. Nobody was to survive the 39 stripes. It would, it would have torn, if you've ever seen the passion of the Christ, you know that that whip just tears, your, tears the flesh off your back and exposes the bone. You're not supposed to survive that. And yet, and yet five times Paul made it through that. Do you know when they're administering no stripes? I, do you think it might have went through the, Paul, through the mind of Paul? What a minute. It, is, this, is this working together for my good? What's going on here? Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Should never have survived stoning. The last stone that is, that is cast is a huge stone to crush your skull. You walk over and you slam the stone on the man's head. He's not going to survive stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. In journeys often, in perils often, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in the wilderness, in perils at sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, sleepless often, hunger, thirst, fastings often, cold, nakedness, and beside those things that are pressing on me from outside, verse 28 says, all the care that comes upon me daily from all of the churches. Besides those things, what comes upon me daily, my anxiety for all the churches. Do you, do you think maybe Paul questioned, what the heck is going on here? I'm out here preaching the gospel. I'm out here doing my best. I'm out here laying my life down, and I find myself being beaten with rods. Now listen to me. The same man that wrote Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that all things work together for good to those that love God, is the same man that wrote 
2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 down through verse 28. Do those fit all things? Right? He was speaking from experience. Right? Now, I'm, I, the word, the word, um, the word know, know this, all things work together for good. Knowing this, that all things work together. The word, the word know there is an interesting word. It's the word oida, O-I-D-A. It means to see and perceive, therefore by experience you know. To see and perceive, and by experience, therefore you know. So what's Paul saying here in Romans chapter 8, verse 28? He said, I have seen, I've perceived, and by experience, I can tell you this. I can tell you this. Everything is going to work together for good to those that love God. Later on, he went through 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse verses 23 to 28. I'm not sure. Maybe he went through that first. I'm not sure if 2 Corinthians is written before Romans or not. I have to research that. I don't know off the top of my head. I can't remember. So what happens when you go through these contradictions? I don't, I've never been through anything as severe as Paul's gone through. I've gone through, you know, I've had contradictions. I've had pushback. I've had, I know what it's like to be rejected. I know what it's like to be walked away from. I know, I, there's been a lot of things in my life that have pushed against me. And back when I was a good charismatic, I'm not a good charismatic anymore. I do believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I pray in the Spirit. I believe all that's fine. But back when I was a charismatic, I know what I did. I know what the accepted practice was when we were pushed back against because of dualism. I used to eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil really heavy. I'd, I'd snack down on that baby all the time. Things would come, come, you know, like the offerings were low, couldn't make the bills. A lot of pushback, a lot of anxiety, as Paul said, for the, for the churches that you're responsible for. I know what it's like when people tell you they're going to be with you till the very end, they're, they're, they're on your side, and the next thing you know, they walk away and, and never say a word. I've been, I've been through a lot of this. I've not been through what Paul went through. But I can tell you from experience that all things work together for good to those that love God. Now, let me tell you my accepted practice because I would eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I would look at those things, and I would decide they're evil. They're not right. This isn't God. This is not God's plan. This is not God's will for, for Don Keithley. So you know what I did when those things came? I'd call the troops together, and we would go down to the prayer room. Now, at my church, we had a, prayer, we had a room that was set totally aside for prayer. Beautiful room. Beautiful room hand paintings on the wall. I wish I had some pictures to show you. But all we did in that, we used it for prayer. And it was open 24-7. People could come and pray anytime. But man, when things got hot and heavy, when things were really pushing against us, when it seemed like, you know, we, we, we knew it was the devil. It was the devil. I'm telling you it was the devil. I would get the troops together. We'd go down to the prayer room and we would enter into spiritual warfare. I mean, hot and heavy. We would bind, we'd loose, we'd come against, shake our fists at the heaven. We would, we would declare, we'd pray loud in tongues, we would cast down, we would draw bloodline. I mean, you've been, a lot of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. Those of you with a Catholic background or maybe Presbyterian, Lutheran, Baptist, you don't know what charismatics do. But when things come against you because you're eating from that tree of dualism, you automatically make the assumption that this thing that is opposing you is wrong, it's evil, and we'd come we'd come against those rod beaters, right? We'd come against those old guys that are out there with, with the whip applying 39 lashes to us, not physically, but in the, in the spirit, right? That are causing us great difficulty. 
And now when I look back at it, I look back at it. I want you to come back to Romans chapter 8 with me for just a minute. When I, when I come back at this, I, I wonder sometimes, when I seeing what I see now, living in the kingdom as I live now, understanding that I'm in the kingdom today, and understand that, that Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Is it possible? Here's what I'm wondering. See, check this in your life. Is it possible that many times I was fighting the very things of Romans chapter 8, verse 28? Let, let me read it again. Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. I didn't understand it. I didn't know. And we know, oida, by perception and experience, we're fully convinced. And we know that's being fully persuaded. That's being fully persuaded, right? Oida, you can check, check the word out. We know that all things work together for good to those that love God. I love God. I really loved God. I loved God when I was a charismatic. Loved God when I was, you know, Church of the Nazarene, growing up, putting some roots down, getting, cutting my teeth. Love God. To those that are called according to his purpose. I was called according to the purpose of God. I was fulfilling the will of God, just like Paul was. And those things would come. And I, I look back at it, and I wonder if some of the things that I was fighting, coming against, casting down, rebuking, were the very things that God was using for my good to fulfill the next verse, verse 29. Now listen to verse 29. For whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Verse 28 is the promise. Verse 29 and 30 is the plan. Now I'm going to read verse 28. Here's the promise. The promise is everything works together for good to those that love God. You love God today? Now we're eating from the tree of life. Right? We're not eating from the dualistic tree of the knowledge of good and evil and making a determination. We're eating from the tree of life. The tree of life says all things work together for good. And the plan is that we be conformed to the image of his son. Verse, verse 30 says the rest of the plan, moreover, those that he predestined are those that he called. Those that he called, he justified. And those that he justified, he glorified. So there's a progression there. But it all comes out of the promise of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Eating from the tree of life, there's only, there's only one life, one plan, one will. It's the Father's. So when I respond, rather than going to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and looking at those things and saying, you know what, I bind the devil, I come against it, I bring those things down in Jesus' name, I was good at it. I was a warrior. I was a warrior, brother, no doubt about it. I was a spiritual warrior. I'd fight it all day long if I had to. Is it possible that some of the things I was rebuking coming against were the very things that were working together for my good that I did not recognize because he was conforming me to the image of Jesus, bringing me through the process of being justified and glorified? This message this morning, this teaching this morning is about the intentions and the purpose of the Father that I think you agreed to before you ever came to the planet. I think there's an agreement that God was, I could take you to Jeremiah 1, I could go look at the life of David. They recognized that there was a plan that was prepared for them before they ever got here. But until you understand, this, this teaching is about the intentions of the Father, the purpose, the plan of the Father. Until you understand the intention 
of God, which is verse 29, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, which is to conform us to the image of the first son. Until you understand the intention, you'll never understand the plan, which is to let you know that everything that is going on in your life is working together for good. So once you know the intention, you can begin to see the purpose. Now, looking back, I can see the purpose. You know, I'm not sure how much I want to share this morning. But I'll just say this. And looking back at my life, I can see some of what I thought were the negatives, the hardships, the bad times, things that I had no control over that were pushing against me. And now that I, I'm on this side, of, I understand grace, finished work, unconditional love. I can see how those things conform me. They, they had a very positive effect on me. You know, Father's good. I came against him. I rebuked him. I cast him down. He utilized those to make me who I am today. And he's using the things that are contrary and contradictory that I think today he's using me to make me who I should become tomorrow. And he's doing the same thing in your life. So you know what this teaching is about this morning? It's, it's about the intentions and the purpose of the Father, but it's also about us coming to a place of maturity, level of walk, where we can let go of our life, that we've oida, we know. We've perceived, we've experienced enough to know that we're confident that the one that began a good work in us, we're totally in his hands. We've given up control. We've given up the, the, the dualistic tree of trying to determine whether it's good or bad, good, right or wrong, good or evil. And we've now put ourselves and we're only eating at the tree of life. That's all there is in the Father. There is only life in Him. There is no, no evil. There is no wrong. But He can utilize. Let me say this again. God does not send evil, but He can utilize. And I'm going to read you a scripture in just a minute. He can utilize it for your perfection. All things work together for good if you eat from the tree of life. Now, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, make bad decisions, bad choices, you're influenced by other things that are going on. You know, some of the stuff you bring on yourself. But listen, he'll still utilize it. It's about letting go of your life, trusting the Father that began something in you that only he could begin and bringing you to a point of completion that only he can complete. Now, it's, something, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. We're getting into some stuff here. Some of you are going to be set free this morning. You're going to stop worrying about contradictions. You're going to stop worrying about people that have rejected you or family that doesn't understand you. He's utilizing it not only in your life, but their life as well. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 3. We, we may not understand it. I'm sure Paul didn't understand it. The things that he went through. But looking back, he could see how it worked together for good. That's the oida. That's the knowing. It's a mystery. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith in him. Right? Ephesians chapter 3. Let me start with verse 8. To me who am less than least of the apostles, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Verse 9. And to make all people see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the age has been hidden by God, 
who created all things by Jesus to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be known by the church to the principalities in heavenly places. So he's saying, look, at one point there was a mystery. Nobody got it. There's two kinds of mysteries. Listen, two kinds of mysteries. There's, there's a heavenly mystery that has been hidden from generations. Each generation gets a little bit more revelation. We see, we see some more than the previous generation. <clears throat> the other kind of mystery are the things that go on in your life that you don't understand what the heck they're for. You don't see any purpose in it. You don't see, you don't see any handprint of God on this thing. They, 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 seem to, they seem to have no godly purpose whatsoever. So the question I got this morning is this, and I, I owe you that. I know what I'm talking about. I, I, I've seen it and I've experienced it. I've got the perception of to tell you that things will come together for you if you keep eating from the tree of life and don't bug off on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and make some determinations yourself. But the thing is, when you're going through it, could Paul embrace, can you embrace those mysteries that are contrary, it would appear, and even at times unpleasant? Here's the thought. Could the darkness actually contain the seed that will bring forth the light? We read in Genesis chapter 1. If you get this, get this little revelation, it's going to help you. We see in the very beginning that God commanded the light to come out of the darkness. What appeared to be darkness to, to the eye, he reached in that darkness and brought the the light out. Can I just tell you this morning, God's not afraid of darkness. He's not afraid of darkness. Listen to this. Psalm 139 verse 12. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. God, God, God's got that night goggles on. He can see into the darkness. Watch. But the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are the same to you. Now that, oh, if you want to be like the Father, then the darkness and the light are going to have to become the same to you. The darkness and the light, God uses both. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. Doesn't, doesn't stop him. He's not afraid of it. Doesn't pervert his ways. The night shines as the day. The day has plenty of light. The night shines as it is. He can see everything he needs to see in the darkness. Can you see all you need to see that's coming from God's hand when it seems to be the darkness, when it seems to be the wrong? It seems to be what's contrary. The darkness and the, and the light are both the same to you. So if they're both the same to him, that means he can use either one that we would look at and say, no, wait a minute, that's from, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We would say that's darkness. God looks at it, pulls in it, and brings the light out of it. Look, there's no dualism in the Father. The only thing that can come from the Father is light and life. There can be no death that comes from, from life itself. There's no death in him. John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says that in him there is no darkness. Let, let me read that for you. Just take a second and read the whole thing. 1 John chapter 1, I think it's... 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. And this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. We just read in Psalms, so 139, verse 12, that the light and the darkness are exactly the same to him. He utilizes both. 
He pulls into the dark. He brings the light out of the darkness. See, he's not a greater power trying to come and defeat a lesser power. He's not light trying to extinguish darkness. In fact, he uses the darkness as a platform to bring forth the light. All right, here's, here's what I'm saying. The Father has equal power in both light and darkness to produce life. He can produce life out of death. There is no duality with him. The only thing that can come from him is light and life. So when you eat from the tree of life, when you nibble on him, the only thing that can be produced in you is light and life. Let me take a drink here. Now, unless you think spirit, unless you think life, you're not going to get your head around what I'm teaching this morning. That's why I said you need to go back and listen to this several times. Because once it clicks and you see that eating from the tree of life only produces life, only produces light. It does not. It can't produce anything other than the hand of the Father that is working in you. Do you remember when Paul was praying away over there in 2 Corinthians? I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I, I might read it in just a minute. He was praying three times for a thorn to be removed from him. He said there was a thorn in the flesh that came to him. He asked God three times to remove it. You know what the father was doing? Listen, the father was using that contradiction. What Paul, through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, called a messenger of Satan to buffet him, he made a determination. I'm sorry, the apostle Paul was eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil there, and he made a determination. This thing was a messenger of Satan. <clears throat> you know what God, in fact, was doing? God was reaching into what Paul determined was darkness and he was bringing the light out of the sufficiency of his grace for Paul. Let me read it for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want you to read. Look, Paul, Paul, Paul grew, he matured. Uh, there's no question about that. You, you read the writings of Paul, you can see at times where he actually grew. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 he said, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. Now, it doesn't matter what the thorn is. I, I have an opinion. I personally think it was the Judaizers that followed Paul around everywhere he went. When he established a church by pure grace, Judaizers came in and said, oh, that Paul stuff, that message is good, but you have to be circumcised plus what Paul is saying. In other words, they were introducing a mixed message of law and grace. Drove Paul crazy. Drove it. He hated it. They, it was a messenger. They followed him around. Now, some said it's blindness or physical defect. I don't know. It's irrelevant. He's asking God three times. Verse 8, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me because Paul made the determination it was bad. It was evil. It didn't fit the plan. I'm out here preaching the gospel, and these people are following me around, harassing me. God, take care of them. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. What was God doing here? He was using that contradiction that Paul, Paul determined was a contradiction, and he was reaching in to show him his strength was made perfect in Paul's weakness. Now, if Paul would eat at the tree of life, he could have just responded to that. The Father would have shown him, look, Paul, here's what I'm doing. I'm showing you the sufficiency of my grace. I'm showing you that I, that I can take what would appear to be a weakness and I can funnel my strength into it. What Paul was actually doing was asking a greater power to come defeat a lesser power. Dualism. Two. 
He called it of the devil. Now, a good Christian would start praying about this. He would be asking, seeking, and knocking. Don't know what the thorn was. Doesn't matter. But out of, out of the thorn, the Father's purpose and intention was revealed to Paul, which was the sufficiency of his grace and the perfection of his strength in Paul's weakness. Now, Paul, after three times he got it, the light came on, and, and Paul saw it plain as day. And it will for us, too. It will for us, too. If you can catch what I'm teaching this morning. As Paul matured, as we mature, we can see, we can see in the most adverse circumstances the hand of God working, bringing something good out of it. As you mature, I don't mean mouth maturity. A lot of people are, are mouth mature. You know what I mean? They can quote the scripture. They can give you the answer. Uh, you know, they got it down pat. I, I'm talking about the maturity that comes when you're finally at a place that you don't acknowledge two powers. That you're willing to take your life, say, look, Lord, I surrender it. I'm, I'm, whatever's going to come, it's going to come. Paul lists a bunch of contradictions in that 12th chapter uh, uh, of, of Corinthians. Back in, in verse 10, he says, Therefore I take pleasure. Now watch, watch the contradictions. I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches, in needs and persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He got it. The Father just said a few verses earlier, what's going on here? Is that I'm teaching you my strength and weakness. Paul said, I got it. Therefore, I take pleasure. When contradictions, this boy, this is where you know you're getting mature. When contradictions come, you take pleasure. Take pleasure. Take pleasure in these contradictions, in infirmities, in approaches, in needs, and persecutions, in distresses. Paul said, I've got an entirely different perception on this now. Therefore, therefore, the last part of that ninth verse, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. I'll boast in these contradictions. When they're putting the lashes on, beating with the rods, when, I, when I'm out there bobbing a day and a night in the deep, that's a long time to tread water, y'all. That's a long time to tread water. He said it's in those times. It's in those times that chapter 12, verse 9, the last part of it, I take, I, I gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. So that's the outlook. And, and you know what? Paul never brings his thorn of the flesh up again. Never says another word about it anywhere in Scripture. Did the Judaizers keep following him? Or did his eyesight, all, if that's what it was, get all of a sudden? I don't know. Out of the contradiction that Paul called the messenger of Satan because he was eating at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, saw two powers, the working of two forces, good and evil, he learned the sufficiency of God's grace, which came as he ate from only the tree of life. You understand what I'm saying this morning? See, here's what happens. When I'm blind to the reality of all things working together to my good, when it's a mystery, I don't get it, doesn't make sense, then my conclusion of what is going on is going to try to exalt itself against my knowledge of sonship and everything we learn at the digital cathedral. God's goodness, God's love, God's mercy. When it's a mystery, when these things are going on, it's easy to pull back and say, where's God in this? Where's the goodness? Where's the love? Where's the mercy in this? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says that we are to cast down, 
every thought, every imagination, every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. That's what the contradiction is doing. Can you see that this morning? Some of you that are watching me on the digital cathedral, you, you're, you're going through a tough spot right now. Doctor's giving you a bad report. Kids are in rebellion. Uh, your spouse is acting up. I mean, just churches called you in on the carpet because the crazy things you're believing. All those things are coming against. You know what they're coming against? They're not coming against you. What they're trying to do is to blind you to the reality of who you are, who you've always been, and what you already possess, what you already have. What seems to be my, my enemy in my mind is attempting to veil my authentic identity and my purpose. Now, if you're spirit-minded, here's, here's, here's the truth. If you're spirit-minded, when contradictions come, you're not going to fight them. You're going to rest and let the spirit of truth, let the spirit of truth reveal to you the purpose of the contradiction. All things work together for good to those that love God, even the contradictions. He'll bring the light out of darkness every time. He'll bring the revelation out of the contradiction. Paul got the revelation of sufficiency of grace out of the contradiction of what he called through eating at the wrong tree, the messenger of Satan. Actually, it was the hand of God teaching him the sufficiency of grace and the power of the Father's ability to work in Paul in what Paul perceived as his weakness. All right. James chapter 4, verse 7. James chapter 4, verse 7. Right after Hebrews is the book of James. James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, this is good advice. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The word for devil there is the word diablo. Diablo. It means slanderous, false accuser. Now, I don't know about your life, but the slanderous, false accuser that always tries to arise in my life is my mind. The contradiction comes. The money's not there. The, I'm not feeling well. The contradiction comes in my mind that why hasn't God healed me? Why isn't my bank account sufficiently full of money? I'm out here preaching the gospel, trailblazer and grace. Why am I, why, why is it tight? Shouldn't be happening like this. See, it always questions the Father's goodness, the Father's closeness, the Father's love, His grace, His mercy. It always, it always tries to push on you. You get COVID. Maybe you had COVID and you're laid in the bed feeling like death warmed over and you're going, what the heck is going on here? See, when you are spirit-minded, when you're spirit-minded, you hold it, say, hold on here. And you, you get in the spirit, you say, Father, what's going on here? What's taking place? If he says nothing, you just hold on. But whatever he says to you, then you just respond to it. The way to bring light out of darkness is to submit to the Father. Isn't that what he just said? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the diablo, the slanderous accuser that's in your mind. When you submit to God, you resist it. You know, the best way to resist the, the slanderous accuser is not shaking your fist and praying loud in tongues and doing spiritual warfare. The best way to get the advantage and to get the upper hand and to see the purpose of God is to submit to him. And let him begin to unpack it. Let him begin to unveil it. And, the, and what James said 
is that the diablos, the darkness, the contradiction is going to flee as the father begins to pour the light in. One of my favorite stories is the story of Joseph. And in the, in the Old Testament, way back in the book of Genesis, this is a guy that underwent all kinds of contradiction in his life. Do you remember the story of Joseph? It, it all started when Joseph got a vision from God of his brothers bowing down to him. It, the mistake he made was in telling his brothers what the heck was going on. And the brothers got all upset and sold him into slavery. Now, when you get a revelation from God and all of a sudden you find yourself in slavery, that's a contradiction. So he's serving Potiphar. They get sold into slavery. He's serving Potiphar. His wife accuses him falsely. Contradiction. Thrown into prison. It had been easy to throw your hands up and say, I, I quit. The jailer at one time promised him help. He didn't get any help from the jailer. Finally, finally, God begins to work in his life on this. And in, and in Genesis chapter 50, there's a famine in the land. Joseph is promoted to prime minister. So his promotion to prime minister of Egypt would have never happened had his brothers never sold him into slavery. Would have never happened if Potiphar's wife had not slandered him, falsely accused him. Would have never happened if the jailer had gotten him out of jail. He was exalted. He finally came to the place of prime minister. Do you see now? All those things work together for good in the life of Joseph. I'm sure when that young boy, 17, 18 years old, is down in that pit and they sell him off in a slavery, I'm sure he's going, how can, how, can this, how can this be any good for me? This is terrible. My life is ruined. From the time he was 17 to the time he was about 30, it was just contradiction after contradiction after contradiction. Finally, the purpose of God, the plan of God reveals. His brothers come to get some food from him. They don't know Joseph's the prime minister. And in verse 12 of chapter 50 of, of Genesis, it says that the sons went just as the father commanded them. Verse, verse 19, Joseph said to the brothers, Don't be afraid, for I am in the place of God. Man, that is heavy. Don't be afraid. But as for you, you meant evil against me, right? But God meant it for good. There's God reaching into what was meant by man to be evil, darkness. And he would have determined that if he'd have eaten at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says, you meant it for bad. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. God meant it for good. It was part of the plan. In order to bring it about this day to save the people and keep them alive. So if those contradictions had not happened in the life of Joseph, he wouldn't have saved the nation. Jesus made the determination in his life that everything that happened to him would produce the re redemption of everybody. Jesus certainly faced a lot of contradictions in his life from the Pharisees, from you name it. We could go through a whole list there. And Jesus looked at it and he said, this whole thing is fitting into the purpose of God. It's God's intention. And Jesus prepared us for the same thing in John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have pushback. You will have problems. You will have difficulties. As long as there are people eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they're going to make bad choices. Those bad choices are going to put them in position where they're going to have to exercise greed, 
They're going to have to try to step on you to promote themselves. He said, but be of good courage. I've overcome the world. Jesus received everything is coming from the hand of the Father. Now, I'm going to give you some good news. Colossians chapter 3. Whenever you get in a bind, I want you to go to Colossians chapter 3. And I want you, I want you to see this little gem right here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. It says, for you died. For you, you died. Now, you have to die to only eat from the tree of life. I mean, you died. And your life. Now, that's, that's kind of a, a, a paradox. You died, but your life. Right? You died to the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil. You don't eat from that tree. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, let me say, just read it again. For you died, and your life is hidden... Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, what does that mean? That means to get to you, any circumstance, any event, any situation, to get to you is going to have to come through the Father because your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's going to have to pass through the Father to get to you. I wonder how many things. Boy, it would be interesting one day for the Father to show us. How many things never got to us because it couldn't pass through the filter of the Father? The Father said no. But when something passes through the Father and it reaches me, I have to begin to not eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I eat at the tree of life, which is, which is a response to the Father in whom there is only light in life. We read in Psalm 139, 12, he sees the night as the day. He can, he can bring life out, out, of, out of death. He can bring light out of darkness, right? Now, Paul got it. Paul got it in Philippians chapter 4. He said, I have learned in whatever state I am, therein to be content. I've learned how to be a base. I've learned how to bound. I've learned how to suffer lack. I know how to have plenty. I, I know what it's like to be able to go to any restaurant I want and order anything off the menu without looking at the price. And I know what it's like to scrape some pennies together to get a double cheeseburger at McDonald's. Right? Most of us have lived in those situations. He said, I've learned to be content. Why? Because I'm eating at the tree of life. I'm seeing everything that reaches me knowing that it has to come through Father because I'm hidden with Christ in God. Are you with me? So our, our love and our trust, and, and it's coming to us as well. It came to Paul, it's coming to us. Know you not that you are the temple of God. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. I'm not my own. You're not your own. We've been bought with a price. Therefore, we glorify God, right? We glorify him. We give him praise. You know what? In everything, give thanks. Didn't say for everything, give thanks, but in it knowing that every, everything that transpires within our life, if we stay in spirit, eat from the tree of life, we know that God is going to ultimately utilize it and use it for our absolute benefit. Our love and trust grows through contradictions. Do you understand that? You see, God's when you come through the contradiction and you get on the other side and you look back, you can see how, what God was doing. You can see his hand work. Jesus came and he proved the power of love through opposition. Through those that would deny him. Through those that would forsake him. When that, when that perfect love takes root in us, little by little, the fear of what eating at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil will try to produce will disappear. 
The greatest realization that you could ever hit in life, and I'm speaking to mature sons this morning, daughters. Greatest realization that you can have in life is to know that you're never out of the Father's hand. That Colossians 3.3 just nails it. You died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Every opposition, every contradiction is trying to veil. It's trying to hide from you who you are and what you have. It's trying to exalt itself against the knowledge that you have of God. It's trying to make you think that the Father has left you, that he lied to you when he said he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. The contradiction is trying to convince you that you are not who God said you are. David handled it so well in Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23. Watch, watch the contradictions that David talks about in Psalm chapter 23 and, and, and how we are to handle them. This is so good. I'm just going to read uh, verses 4, 5, 6, and 7. 4, 5, 6, and 7. I hope this, is, hope this flipped a light switch for some of you this morning. Psalm chapter 23 and verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Man, that's a, that's a, that's a pushback. That's something that you'd look at and say, this valley of the shadow of death is not good. I'm walking through it. Listen, I'm not camping out there. I'm looking for the plan. I'm looking for the purpose. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I ain't eating at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff are going to take care of us. I can go into what the rod and the staff were used for. I don't have time this morning. Just, just take it from me. The contradiction of the valley of the shadow of death is powerful. But he said, it's in that time. I see your hand where you are with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Enemies, messenger of Satan to buffet me. No, 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 no. You prepare a table. Your plan, your purpose, your goodness, your love is showing through in right in front of my enemies. <laughs> You're providing for me in the, it, and the enemies are seeing it and they can't figure it out. And I'm not fighting back because I'm not eating at that tree. I'm eating from the tree of life and I'm seeing light and love and, 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 and everything that is, is in the nature of God. I'm seeing it come through this situation. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. What are, what, what, what are we worried about? What, what kind of pushback, contradiction, opposition should we allow to grip us and control us when, when mercy and grace and goodness are going to follow us all the days of our life? He said it so perfectly in Psalm chapter 23. So the conclusion is this, and i got to wrap this up. Man, I'm running over time. Everything in your life that resists you, pushes against you, seems to be contrary to you, contradict what you know to be true is not resisting you. It's not fighting you. It's not pushing back. It's resisting the deeper revelation of what you have not yet been awakened to. It's trying to unveil it for you as it did Paul. When Paul finally got the sufficiency of grace and the power of God and weakness, what was trying to hide that from him was the thorn in the flesh. What tries to hide from you everything that you are, everything you possess, the, the dynamic that plan God, plan God has for your life is that thing that would try to oppose you. And the Father reaches into that and he says, I'm going to use that to help you 
to cross the bridge of where I'm trying to take you. All things work together for good. Don't you ever forget it. Don't you ever deny it. And don't you ever doubt it. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you. Go listen to this again. This is heavy. This is deep within me, brother. This is this is life changing. This this will set your feet in a place you've never walked before. When you move from that tree of knowledge, good and evil, and you keep over to tree of life, in which there's only life and light. That's the Father's tree. God bless. See you next time at the Digital Cathedral.